Welcome back to Thinking About It. I'm Bob McGregor. And I'm Stan Fowler. And uh, at the top of our show, if this is a show or a podcast, uh, we want to remind folks that you can now go to our website and uh, register any questions that you have, and we'll get those questions because uh, there are actually some. We're going to respond to some today, actually, in our podcast. And so if something occurs to you while we're talking, just remember you have that link. Just go to our website, www.grandviewchurch.ca. All right, Stan, how are you feeling? Oh, wonderful. I, I just, I'm looking forward to a couple of really good conversations. Are you ready for a curveball? Oh, I've, <laughs> I've learned to expect those. Handle the curve. Uh, question that comes up all the time with believers when uh, they'll read a passage like Hebrews 6. And I referred to that on Sunday. Didn't have a lot of time to deal with it because I, I dealt with it in passing. Uh, but it does raise a question that haunts a lot of Christians because something is described in Hebrews that is impossible. And we're talking now about apostasy. Can a Christian or a professing Christian come to a place where it is impossible for him to be restored and he's crossed the line and in a sense his damnation has already begun even though he hasn't passed on is it the impardonable sin and so we want to spend 15 minutes just airing the subject maybe giving some assurances to some people and maybe striking a little bit of fear into some people who have security that they have no right to enjoy Yes, indeed. And um, this is an important conversation. And of course, it arises out of the fact that, I mean, I heard you make the reference to Hebrews 6 on Sunday morning, and I really think you you were very much on target. So we're not going to be debating it here. We're going to be, but exploring it. And and yeah, it is, it's interesting. The verses 4 to 6 of Hebrews 6 are are often thought to be the biggest problem text for the idea that all who are saved now will be saved in the end. I don't think it actually is the most significant problem passage for that, but it's obviously one. And so it, I mean, it says it's impossible for those who've once been enlightened, who've tasted the heavenly gift, who've shared in the Holy Spirit, who've tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the coming age, and and who've fallen away to be brought back to repentance. To their loss, they're crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. So, on the one hand, you would have those who would say, well, this is clear evidence. Look at the description of these people. It's clear evidence that, that you can be saved, but then deny your faith and lose your salvation. Um, and, and, and so they want to say that. Now, what needs to be seen, though, is if that's what it's talking about, it's saying that if you believe genuinely and are saved and then you genuinely disbelieve and deny your faith, you can never be saved again. Because you, it, the point is, such people can't be brought back to repentance. So that would be like, okay, once apostatized, always apostatized, apostatized, always damned. and But most Arminian theologians don't want to say that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But it is, you know, it superficially it could be read to say something like that, and 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 that's what's made those in our tribe who would want to affirm those who are saved now will be saved in the end nervous. And they've sometimes found crazy ways of getting around the text. Like, well, note the if they fall away. And so they want to say, well, it's conditional, but it never actually happens. Well, actually, I think most modern translations recognize that if really is not a great translation. All the descriptors here apply to the same people. Uh, It's not if they could fall away, but they can't really. It's people who really have experienced this and turn away from it and deny Christ. So it's since it would be, what, a first-class condition? or It's not a conditional statement in Greek. To be technical for only a moment, what you have here is a series of participles all connected by one article. They all belong together. I think what's important is to recognize The chapter begins with an exhortation to move on beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and move forward to maturity. And verse 3 says, God permitting, we will do so. Why wouldn't God permit? That's the question, you see. Why would God not permit it? And I think what the text says is, there are some people in the world who experience a a very strong sense of enlightenment. They understand the gospel, the reality. They, they've tasted the heavenly gift in some way. They've professed faith in Christ, become a part of the believing community, and they've shared in the Holy Spirit in the sense that the Spirit indwells the church corporately. And, and they have um, they've tasted the goodness of the Word of God, They've heard the truth and the powers of the coming age. In other words, the the powers of the coming age have made themselves manifest in the presence in the form of miracles. Mm -hmm. As in Matthew 12, the passage you were talking about on Sunday, Jesus did his miracles by the power of the Holy Spirit, evidence that the kingdom that's coming in its fullness has made itself known in the present. So these are people who have a very high level of experience with the gospel and the church and the spirit, and yet, in the face of all that, they turn away and say no. It might be someone in the church uh, who was prayed for, like an unsaved husband who was sanctified by his wife. He's prayed for, and uh, he refuses to believe. Or it may be maybe a longtime church member who's had this high level of experience, has has seen the evidence of God at work, mm-hmm. but who was never really regenerate. Been baptized. Been baptized, confessed faith, part of the church, ultimately apostatizes and says, I don't believe that nonsense anymore. That seems to be the kind of person that might be in view, and the writer is saying, you know, If you sin against that kind of knowledge, experiential knowledge of the truth, and you turn away and deny Christ, then God may just let you go. And and that would take us back to the kind of thing you were talking about in Matthew 12, where you have the Pharisees who have seen the miracles, the signs of the kingdom. So they've heard Jesus teach, they've seen his miracles, 
it's it's not as if they need more evidence to believe that he is who he says he is. And yet they say a stupid thing like, well, he's casting out demons by the power of Satan. And and Jesus points out the ridiculous nature of that remark. Really? The master of the house, Satan, is going to be in charge of mm-hmm. eliminating the people mm-hmm. in the house, the demons? Not mm-hmm. that. That doesn't make any sense yeah. at any level. And so I take it, I think Hebrews 6 is a powerful warning to say to people, the doctrine that you and I believe, that those who are saved in the present will be saved in the end, is is about the final salvation of the regenerate, but it's not about the final salvation of the apparently regenerate. Or the final salvation of those who have a good knowledge about the gospel. I think I think Hebrews teaches in a variety of ways what the writer says in chapter 3. We have become partakers of Christ if we hold firm our confidence to the end. Final salvation mm-hmm. is only for those who persevere in faith. Mm-hmm. Now, I believe those who persevere in faith are those whom God has mm-hmm. genuinely brought to saving faith in the first place. But not everyone who appears to be saved really is saved. And and so we need to remind people, I mean, even assurance of salvation is about do you believe? So how, like we don't want people to needlessly fear. I think it's no. good to take stock of yourself. But how, how would a person know that they are not in that group, that their experiences are genuine with Christ? Well, for if a, I take it if a person says, I do believe in the present. I believe the good news about Jesus who died and rose again. I, I'm, I'm trusting in him now. I'm not all that I ought to be. I'm not perfect, but I am trusting in him. And I see evidence that I'm seeking to live in obedience to him. Then you don't need to worry. I mean, this is not about, um, I, you know, even though I believe I may somehow become lost, it's, but it is about the fact that, okay, some people make professions of faith that seem to be genuine, mm-hmm. but are not. But it's also, I think, a helpful reminder that our assurance is not based in the fact that we can tell you the time and the place mm-hmm. that we got saved. Now, for some people, that's totally manifest and obvious, but for others, it's not. For others, especially those who grow up in a Christian home, it, it, it's a much more gradual kind of experience of coming to a realization of conscious commitment to yeah, Christ. And it's a continuous confession. Right. It is that. And, I mean, for some people, their conversion is dramatic. The time and the place are obvious. For other people, it's, it's a more gradual crossing of the line. But, but the the question is not, can you tell me the time and place mm-hmm. when it happened, mm-hmm. but do you believe? I mean, have you repented and do you believe in Jesus? You know, we were... T- uh, Sorry about my cell phone, which just sounded off in the background there. Well, that's never happened before. No. Uh, I had a professor at Ontario Bible College back in the day, an Armenian guy, good guy, Ted Simmons. And he used to say... Um, to, our stu- to the class, you know, if you're concerned about this issue, that you might hear Jesus say, I never knew you. 
You did all these things in my name, but I never knew you. It's, it's a daunting thought. He said, just make sure he can't say that. Right. Make sure that he knows you. You speak to him. You have a relationship with him. And that kind of did it for me. Uh, it was it was what I needed to hear. And it's essentially what you're saying right now. So, Stan, how does this affect our evangelism? Um, we're, Jesus said, kick the dust off your feet. Leave those people alone. Are, are we going to do that? Can we discern that I'm not going to waste my time with you? I'll go somewhere else. Or is that God's thing? Well, the... When when Jesus talks about that, he seems to be talking about people to whom the the in that case the apostles are bringing the gospel for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, these are not people who have you know previously professed faith. Uh, they're bringing the gospel, and 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 at some point they find out you know. There's just no chance for meaningful proclamation and conversation here. These people are just closed to hearing about it. So we can only spend our time and energy mm-hmm. in, in a finite way. So we're going to go in another direction. I, that's different from saying, okay, I can tell that you are in a Hebrews 6 category. You're in an mm-hmm. unforgivable sin category. Mm-hmm. I can tell that you've said no for the last time, and and God is just not going to be at work trying to draw you back anymore. You know, that would be to assume that we know exactly who's in that category, and that's probably only God's knowledge. So I take it our task. I mean, we do have to be thoughtful about where we devote our evangelism energies, Mm -hmm. don't we? Mm -hmm. We do have to think about that, but that's different from saying, I can tell that I'm never going to talk to you again because you're done. Okay, so a person who comes to their pastor and says, I've been up all night. I'm worried sick about this. I think maybe I'm in that group. God will not grant repentance to me. My sin will never be um, lifted from my shoulders. It's crushing me. What, What hope would we give to a person like that? Well, I would, I would say, are you telling me that you deny the gospel? You don't believe that Jesus is who he claimed to be? You don't believe that he died for our sins and rose from the dead? Is that what you're saying? That you deny that the mm-hmm. Christian message is true? Now, if the person says yes, well, then I'll say, well, okay, you've, you're saying you're shutting yourself off from the only real hope you have. Mm-hmm. But if the person says, well, well, no, I mean, I believe it's true. I'm just not sure. I'm not sure that I, I'm not, I'm not sure I can name when I cross the line. I, my life's not all it ought to be. Then I would say, well, wait a minute. The good news is for sinners who admit their sin and trust in mm-hmm. Jesus Christ to deal with it. It sounds to me like you're in that category. Mm-hmm. You're, you're a, you sound like a struggling believer here. So the people that Hebrews 6 is talking about, the people that Jesus is talking about when he mentions a sin that's not going to be forgiven, is not someone who's worried yeah. about their salvation. It's someone who, in the face of very clear understanding, says, I want nothing to do yeah, leave me alone. with Jesus. Yeah, I want to kill him. If you want something to do with Jesus... <laughs> 
you're not in that category. He and and he's prepared to accept you as his Amen. own. And repentance is a grace, right? And so the, the Hebrews passage says this person will not be permitted to repent. But if you're if if you come to a someone in the church with a repentant attitude, you re, you are repenting over your sin. You're grieved over. You're broken and contrite. Then to me, that's an indication that God hasn't given up on you. That that is a grace that you have to feel that way about your sin, and there's mercy and grace available for you. Well, Stan, uh, I th- I hope that we have alarmed people who are um, dangerously comfortable, and I hope we've encouraged people who are needlessly alarmed to have confidence in the Lord. If you have a question about this, you can. Get in touch with us from our website. Thinking about it, you'll find it. It's in the website somewhere, uh, www.grandviewchurch.ca. And we'd be glad to respond to you. Until then, I'm Bob McGregor. And I'm Stan Fowler. And thanks for joining us. Keep on thinking. 